For me, success has less to do with the numbers and more to do with the quality of conversations that I have. So if I create a post and I end up having a really solid back and forth, or you know, I end up trading email addresses with people and we go back and forth on email, or we get some sort of uh, call set up in, in the coming weeks, or I'm introduced to a new vendor I'd never heard of, or something like that, some outcome that helps me do my job better, or helps my team do their job better, that for me is why I'm doing this. And if I can, of course, the other flip side of the coin is true as well. If I feel like I can genuinely help people, or if I steer someone in the right direction, that's really cool. That's my success criteria. Th those are the metrics I care more about is making an impact on others or others making an impact on me. Welcome, welcome to the Micro Influencer Podcast, the show where you'll get real marketing secrets straight from the experts' mouths to help you grow your influence. I'm your host, Blake Emmel. Today, I'm speaking with LinkedIn legend Kyle Coleman, who is the VP of Revenue Growth and Enablement at Clary. This guy, if you're on LinkedIn, especially if you're in sales, you know Kyle. He is a thought leader. He puts out a lot of great content. So instead of diving too much into enablement and revenue growth right now, we are going to focus on the LinkedIn content side of things, which is a topic that we have touched before here on the podcast, but LinkedIn is so powerful. So I really encourage you, if you're trying to build out content, listen to the episode and make sure to stick around to the very end where I ask Kyle for his number one piece of life advice for you. Hear what he has to say and still stick around for that. Without further ado, let's get learning with Kyle. On the podcast today, we have Kyle Coleman from Clary. Kyle is somebody that I follow closely on LinkedIn, not necessarily with the same job description as me, but I watch what he does with his LinkedIn content. And it's a really good example that we can all follow. So we're going to dive into a lot of those principles today. But first off, Kyle, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I am doing so great. Thanks for having me on, Blake. I really appreciate it. I'm excited for this. I always like to start with context about you so that people know that it's not just a crazy person on the other end talking nonsense, but that you're actually credible. So let's get some context on Kyle. What's the story of your career so far? How'd you get started? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, good question. So I started in B2B tech in about 2012. I got a job at an advertising agency in San Francisco, B2B tech advertising agency. And from there, I was introduced to actually one of our clients was a VP of marketing at some other ad tech company in San Francisco. He left his company to go join Looker. Uh, Looker was a seed funded, actually, I think at that time, it was an angel funded company. I had never heard of it. I had a little bit of exposure to the business intelligence and the analytics space and opted to jump ship from my not so cushy advertising job over, <laughs> to, over to, I was a sixth employee at Looker. Stayed at Looker for about six years, grew the SDR team from just myself to a team of about 60 as the company itself went from six employees to about 800 or so when I left. And helped scale the, the revenue at Looker from about 100K in ARR when I started to about 100 million in ARR when I left. And they were, That's Looker was acquired by Google in the summer of 2019 for $2.5 billion. So that went pretty well. And I joined Clary as the head of sales development and sales enablement back in April of last year. One thing led to another over the course of the summer and early fall, and I ended up taking on an expanded purview on the marketing side. So I 
we have this newly created department that we call our growth department that encapsulates a lot of top of funnel sort of teams from demand generation to field marketing to SDR and enablement all in our little growth team here. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard more and more companies doing that, trying to combine sales and marketing, not necessarily combine the departments, but just get them to collaborate more. I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, Clary itself is a revenue operations platform, so we're trying to drink mm -hmm. our own champagne here to a certain extent and make sure that all sure. the teams are as aligned as possible. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, and then my second question of context here before we really get into the actionable advice is if you had to guess or, or just tell us what your professional superpower is, what would you say? Hmm, good question. Oh, this is a tough one. I feel like I am able to, I, I feel like I'm able to communicate with people really well by understanding their success criteria. So for what I mean by that is when I'm speaking to a salesperson, I'm not speaking to them about MQLs or leads or website visitors. I'm talking to them about pipeline. And then conversely, when I'm talking to a marketing person, I'm able to kind of switch gears and, and talk more about the, the metrics that matter to them. And so I can help bridge the gap between the two. That's one of the beauties, uh, the beautiful things of coming up as an SDR and, and sort of staying in that orbit that's right between sales and marketing for the last seven or eight years is that I have developed the capacity to be able to speak both languages really fluently and be able to ensure that each team, each hand, I should say, knows what the other hand is doing. They are, they're definitely different languages. It's, it's kind of like Spanish and Portuguese. They're kind of related, but they're totally different. That's very true. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's dive into it. We're going to focus a lot on, on LinkedIn today. So a lot of people out there, micro-influencers, entrepreneurs, side hustlers that are thinking, how can I really be on LinkedIn if I am just trying to build out this small little product? I don't have much to say. If, if you were getting started in that situation, if that were you, how would you start from zero? It's way more about educating than anything else. And if you can position yourself as somebody who has a strong perspective that is helpful, that is meant to educate and not necessarily sell, sell, sell all the time, there's nothing stopping you. You know, it's a great forum just to go and say your piece. And the people and the way that you interact with the people on LinkedIn, on the platform, is so much more refreshing than other platforms like Twitter and, and even Facebook, where people don't, there, there's no skin in the game from a professional standpoint. People don't need to be professional. You know, their income isn't tied to how they show up on these platforms. But LinkedIn is not that way. LinkedIn gets, you get the best versions of people. And so you get really useful feedback and you have really good conversations as long as you yourself are being authentic. And, and why did you yourself start posting on LinkedIn? What reality sunk in or like at what point did you realize that that was something you should be doing? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I was giving this some thought over the weekend. The answer genuinely, and this sounds super corny, but it really is true. And it's, it's also the reason that I've stayed in management for as long as I have as opposed to, you know, kind of being more interested in individual contributor role, closing business or something like that. And the reason is because I genuinely like helping people. I feel like I, uh, it's what gets me going. It's what motivates me. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I, I feel like I have, I've learned a lot over the years. I've failed a lot over the years and I want to help people mm -hmm. avoid similar pitfalls and accelerate their careers. And 
achieve whatever it is that the goals they set for themselves. And I feel like this forum on, that I found on LinkedIn is a pretty good way to do that. Yeah, so I want, I want to move on to your specific process, because if we go onto your profile and look at what you're doing, the engagement's really good. And like you said, all you're doing is trying to educate people, not necessarily taking withdrawals, but making deposits to people and helping them out. So I'm curious if we could just dive through some specifics about your process. So first and foremost, like what, how do you decide what you want to post? Yeah, good question. I, I think before I answer that, if you don't mind, Blake, I, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about what I did before I started posting, because I didn't just wake up one morning and, and decide to go and, <laughs> yeah. and try my hand at this. I, I did spend a few weeks trying to follow people who were in a similar space as I was or were doing things similarly to me and, and tried to understand what made them successful or what made their content engaging or whatever it may be. I'm not talking about trying to understand the entire LinkedIn algorithm or anything like that. I, you know, sure. I, that's way above my pay grade. But I would follow people like uh, Josh Braun or Colin Cadmus or Justin Welsh, some people like that who have been consistently putting out really solid content and, and have a big uh, following and are also in a similar space as I am, which is the sales uh, SDR and sort of enablement space, but also kind of with a lean toward leadership in a lot of different ways. And so I followed them for a couple of weeks and I started engaging with their content first, responding to or making comments on their posts, but also responding to other commenters, asking questions, trying to see what kinds of things spark conversation. And that was the foundation that I needed to really understand who the audience is. And this wasn't you know, a super long process. Like I said, it was only a few weeks. So it's not you know, like I spent half of my life doing this. It was just to kind of get a feel for it, get my finger on the pulse before I started trying my hand. And, and that is what really informed my methodology. Does that make sense? No, yeah, for sure. And that, that's a great precursor to it because it's not, you don't always just have to dive right in and then start failing right away. You can do some research preemptively and then prepare yourself a little bit better. So right, then exactly. now, now that you are posting, like what, what was the first, how did you start getting your ideas for what to post? Cause I know there are going to be a lot of people listening in that say, I just have no ideas. I'm not a creative person, but we both yeah. know that that's totally false. Anybody can be creative in their own way. How did you find your creativity? I asked the team, I asked the team here at Clary and said, what are the things that you all are wondering? Or, you know, I, I've become a, a little bit removed from the day-to-day -day of the SDRs here at Clarion. So I just asked them, you know, what, what kind of questions do you have top of mind? What kinds of things would you like my perspective on? I also thought about questions that I get over and over and over again when I do panels or when I speak with other SDR leaders or something like that. And I literally have a Google Doc. The title of that Google Doc is LinkedIn Posts. And I just have a huge bullet list of things that, I, that either the SDR team here at Clarion came up with or that I've brainstormed over the course of the last few weeks. And it's just a running doc. And I just, every idea that I have, whenever I have it, I, you know, just pop up my phone and just jot it down. And I flesh that idea out uh, whenever I can. I would say that's the other part of my methodology that is, I think, important, which is to be really intentional about setting time aside for when you do this. So this is part of the reason I started doing this was because I, I felt like I was busy, but I wasn't super intentional with how I was staying busy, if that makes sense. So I really wanted to dedicate time to just think and to think and to write. And so with those two things in mind, I, I needed topics to write about. So that was kind of my one, my one, two step here was 
get your subjects down first and then set, it doesn't take a tremendous amount of time. It's, you know, 15 or 20 minutes a day where you just sit down undistracted blank piece of paper. And I just write down the things that I'm thinking about. And so once you have your ideas and that, and that, that's super helpful too, because that works for you, that might not work for other people. So, and some people might not have an SDR department to be able to discuss things with. So key point here is find out what works for you, whether it's that or something completely different. But then once you have some ideas and you start compiling that and being more comfortable with actually creating content, you got to get into the more technical things. So you start testing, what time should I post? What formats do I use? So I, I would love to get your ideas on, on that as well. Do you think it matters what time you post? Have you seen anything that indicates that if you post at a certain time, it's going to work out better for you? Or do you just kind of go at it? Yeah, I, I think I care more about when I'm at my best than when the LinkedIn audience is at their best. <laughs> so mm. I'm trying to optimize for when my brain is is working well. And that for me is just in the morning. Sometime, you know, between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. local time, I'm here in, in California, so it's Pacific. And I think just by happenstance, it happens to be a good time. You know, it catches the East Coast in the middle-ish of their day. It catches the West Coast when they're waking up. It's still the end of the day in Western Europe. So I feel like that's probably a good time, but honestly, like I haven't spent too much time thinking about it. I, I care way more about when I'm personally going to create good posts, good content than when the audience is, is ready for it. I do know that the weekends are no good. <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, huh? People want to stay away from work at all costs. Yep. <laughs> what, what about formatting? I, I know that most of your, you're, you're mostly text-based on your posting how did, is that just because you feel more comfortable as a writer or you've seen that those text posts just do better than a video or something else? How, how did you decide that that was your format? Yeah, it's interesting because I have learned a lot about effective email writing over my, my tenure and my, my life as an SDR. And so many of those principles apply from writing a solid outbound email to writing a good LinkedIn post. Short, snappy sentences, a lot of white space simple calls to action, you know, kind of the basic stuff. So that format just translated really well from what I'm used to doing in, in my day job and what I have, have been doing for years and years. So that's the primary reason. I think the secondary reason is because words and word choice matters a lot to me. And I pour over the words more than I care to admit. I would say I'd say I probably write my first drafts in a couple minutes, but then spend the other 15 or so minutes really just editing and trying to come up with the exact right wording. So I just feel more comfortable controlling exactly what I say in written form versus kind of this word salad that I'm spitting at you right now. <laughs> and, and then once you get like the technical stuff down, which clearly you're, you're, you're there, you've got it all handled. So I'm curious from that point on, how do you maximize your engagement and, and get the most views possible from that content? What, what's your process or what, what have you seen that helps with getting engagement right off the bat? I think that, you know, I, I don't participate in any of like the real engagement pod type things, or I don't even know really what the options are out there. I have a few people that I, I always send my stuff to as a kind of a sanity check just to make sure that um, what I'm saying isn't completely <laughs> off the rails. So they're aware of, of when I'm going to post things. But I think the best way to do it is just organically. And what I mean by that is when you post your thing, Hopefully somebody is liking or commenting on it, you know, relatively in a, in a short time frame. And honestly and authentically and genuinely respond to the commenter. 
a lot of times this will be a great way, not just to get engagement on a current post, but to also generate ideas for future posts. So I think that there's something that uh, LinkedIn likes about when posts get early engagement. You know, it's some signal that the, the, the content the post itself is of at least decent quality. So I would really highly recommend that. Post your thing. And then again, for me, what I do is I set a, a little reminder 30 minutes after I post it, just to go back and check it, check in on things and respond to as many comments as I can if I, if I have free time then. Do you, do you respond to every single comment or just ones that you feel actually prolong the conversation? Yeah, every substantive comment. So, you know, some people will come in, they'll just tag one of their coworkers or something. No real need to respond to that, in my opinion. But if somebody asks a question or, or extends my thought or something like that, I, I really do try and genuinely engage with them. And what's been really cool and uh, part of the reason I do this as well is not just for the, the posts and the engagement on LinkedIn, but is to genuinely learn from people. And so I've had, I've made thousands of new connections since I started doing this. And I've had a lot of really great conversations, this one included, that I, I'm just learning from people about what's working for them, what isn't about the, the day job, talking shop about SDR and enablement and sales and growth marketing and all the things that I care about. I'm having really good conversations that I would have otherwise never had if not for me just putting myself out there on LinkedIn. So that's a really nice benefit of doing this. Yeah, I mean, that's another side of the equation that gets lost. You, you started by saying, I, I was asking you, hey, how do you create your content? And you're like, well, slow down. I actually looked at other people's content first. And that's the side that gets left out all the time. People want to post links and regurgitate information and just spit into a void all of the stuff that they want people to hear, but then there's no engagement on their end. So do you set time aside yourself to look at other people's posts to engage with them? Or do you just kind of allow that to happen naturally? Um, more on the natural side there, Blake, than, you know, as intentional as I am about my own posting, I, I, I allow that to happen more or less organically. There are a few people that I seek out though, because I know they post regularly. I know they post every day. People like Jeremy Donovan or Josh Braun, you know, Colin Cadmus, I mentioned before, I, I try and look out for their posts and just to keep tabs on what's top of mind for them. And a lot of times it's industry trends and things like that. So that it's another good way for me to just to keep tabs on what's happening in the universe that I care about. But, you know, aside from the handful of people that I go out of my way for, I don't really, I'm not too intentional about that. This leads me to my, to my next question, which is you personally, how do you measure if a post was actually successful or not? Yeah, good question. I, for me, success has less to do with the numbers and more to do with the quality of conversations that I have. So if I create a post and I end up having a really solid back and forth, or, you know, I end up trading email addresses with people and we go back and forth on email, we get some sort of uh, call set up in, in the coming weeks, or I'm introduced to a new vendor I'd never heard of, or something like that, some outcome that helps me do my job better or helps my team do their job better. That for me is why I'm doing this. And if I can, of course, the other flip side of the coin is true as well. If I feel like I can genuinely help people, or if I steer someone in the right direction, that's really cool. And the amount of times people, and this sounds, I, I apologize in advance, but people have reached out to me and said, thank you so much for posting that. Like, I really needed to hear that, or this has really helped me do X, Y, Z thing. Like that for me is really rewarding as well. So that's the positive that's my success criteria. Th those are the metrics I care more about is making an impact on others or others making an impact on me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, going back to just your own content, when, when you were beginning, did you ever go through like a content bucket exercise, anything like that? Or did you just know I was an SDR, 
I'm going to talk about, you know, talk, try to talk to these people. I'm going to talk sales for the most part, sometimes marketing. Was it, was it a real process to determine your content? You know, not really, because for me, it's about authenticity and credibility. And I don't think I could be authentic or credible if I was talking outside of my, too far outside of my lane. And my lane is fortunately, I think, pretty vast, but it is very much marketing, SDR sales and leadership. So if I were to ever veer too far afield from that, I don't think it would go super well. But th those are those are really the only guardrails that I have. And then from from the content stemming out, like we start at the top of the funnel, you're posting things, you're educating, but how how did you set up your LinkedIn bottom of the funnel, quote unquote? Your kind of your landing page, your profile, how did you set it all up so that it would actually have some business results for you because that's yet again another part of the equation that gets left out is you can post all you want and have great engagement, but then if it's just for nothing, what what purpose does it really serve? So how did you set up your bottom of the funnel LinkedIn strategy? Yeah, that's a, another really good question. So you have to have content on your LinkedIn profile, not just about yourself, but about your company as well. And I, you know, I view my LinkedIn profile as another marketing channel for Clary. And so I want to have and showcase the best Clary content on my profile. And it's very easy to do. You just, you know, obviously need to upload that content. As far as my own, the, the information on myself, I was very intentional. I mentioned this before, but the, I'm very intentional about credibility. And I want people to be able to quickly and easily see not just what companies I've been at and when, but what I did or what I'm doing at those companies. And so especially the, the six years I spent at Looker is very thoroughly documented year over year in my profile. And I have people re responding to that all the time saying, wow, you know, I saw in 2015, 2016, you made XYZ happen. And we're going through that right now. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you made that happen? And, and I'm happy to do that. And that's the entire goal of this. So I would recommend to people like really beyond just the simple bullet points, talk about qualitatively and quantitatively what you made happen over every, you know, whatever time period makes sense. Quarterly is probably a little much, but yearly is a pretty good cadence if you can think about the big rocks you move and just give people a sense of what they can or should be talking to you about. So do you, do you find that LinkedIn is a pretty effective way of driving business to Clary? Yeah, I do. And I, you know, I think it helps a lot, obviously, that our target market is the most active audience on LinkedIn. They're <laughs> salespeople, um, SDRs, that sort of thing. So we, we do generate a fair amount of interest that way. And we have a really active, Clary does a very active employee base on LinkedIn. So we, we do very well and we get a lot of views. And we also drive, LinkedIn is our number three source of traffic to Clary.com, which is pretty cool. So yeah. we're, we're seeing a lot of business, business results and almost entirely it is driven by these more organic person-based posts. Very little of it is our company posts. Awesome. Well, I, I have one final LinkedIn question, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up here a little bit. But if you had, you know, the, the CEO of LinkedIn, if you had his ear and you could say, hey, this is one feature that is totally missing from LinkedIn right now that I need, what would that feature be? Oh, man, I wish I could write articles and get actual engagement with them. <laughs> yeah, articles are really tough, aren't they? They are. I don't know what it is. I, I guess, you know, again, like I said, I haven't studied the algorithm too closely, but I know that writing articles does not bear fruit, which is a real shame because I feel like they're so valuable. It, 
so many people want depth and are so sick of the lack of nuance that the shorter forum allows. It's just such a bummer to me that the articles don't get nearly as much engagement as posts. So that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty big thing. I also wish I could save drafts of posts so that I didn't have to you know, go back and forth on, on uh, my Google Doc with all my LinkedIn ideas. You can save drafts on mobile, but not on desktop, which I think is kind of strange. Uh, and then last and very, uh, this is sound really stupid, but I wish I could format text, bold, italics, <laughs> pretty simple stuff. I wish I could do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still still pretty boilerplate on on LinkedIn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I I feel your struggles on all those things. I've thought about them all, and I I'm with you. So let's start a petition. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'll sign it. My my final question for you is more general. I asked this of of all my guests. I'm interested if you had a room full of bootstrappers and micro-influencers and you're speaking to them about your life experience so far, your professional experience, what would just be the, the number one piece of advice to that group? Stay curious, endlessly curious. If you really care about the work you do, if you really care about the people you work with, your personas, the people you sell to, all that sort of thing, you learn so, so much, and it's so much easier to apply those lessons to improve. And it can't happen. You can't teach curiosity. It's something you, you've, you've really got to work for, and you've got to make your own mind up about how curious you are and, and how that informs your, your, your day-to-day. I, I don't think I've ever met a super successful person who wasn't just unendingly curious about how to improve. So that, that would be my advice. I appreciate that. And I, I'll take it to heart. And I think the, the whole audience will as well. I want to give you a chance to just talk briefly about where people can follow you. And if you have anything else that you're working on that you would like to talk about. Yeah, um, really, LinkedIn is the only social channel that I'm active on. <laughs> so my username is Kyle T. Coleman. Please feel free to reach out. I'd love to connect. And if any of this, again, like I said, one of my main goals is, is helping other people. So if anything that I've said, resonates uh, at least a little bit with you like please feel free to reach out i'm happy to jump on the phone or go back and forth on linkedin or via email or whatever it is and then as far as what i'm working on i'm you know just still trying to figure this out i've only really been actively posting for a few months now and still trying to figure out my own formula and and what works and what's exciting and, and what keeps me motivated doing podcasts like these is a lot of fun i'm also uh i recently joined a group called revenue collective and we're doing a survey about the state of sales development. So we're going to be publishing those results here in the coming weeks. That's pretty exciting as well. So if you're interested in the top of funnel, um, I, I you know suggest following me to, to see the results of that survey. Kyle Coleman, thank you very much for coming on again. Follow him on LinkedIn. And you'll see basically everything he just talked about in practice. So if you forgot everything he said, just watch what he does. Thanks for listening to the Micro Influencer Podcast. The show has received so much positive feedback and I've had so many great guests come on that the show is officially moving to three episodes per week. Two of the episodes will be the guest interviews you've come to love, featuring pros who have tested out what you're doing now and can save you years of your time with their advice. The third episode each week will be a much shorter snippet of my learnings and advice for the week. Please support the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, leaving a review, or sharing an episode with a friend or colleague. And if you have any questions or just want to see what this thing is that I'm building, visit microinfluential.com. You can even listen to the website. That's microinfluential.com. Have a fantastic day.